It is Locked On Jazz for the 7th of October, an Ask LOJ edition that starts with Victor Weminyama, moves to our win expectations, who's been most impressive, what's going on with Abaji, and what do we do about Rudy Gay? Those are all the things that are going to be addressed on today's edition of Ask LOJ. It is Locked on jazz but um bum 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 pow you are locked on jazz your daily podcast on the utah jazz part of the locked on podcast network your team every day how are you i'm david lock radio voice of the utah jazz jazz nba insider this is locked on jazz your daily podcast on the utah jazz giving you insight expertise geeky numbers and hopefully making it Way better to be a jazz fan each and every day. Thank you so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free on whatever podcast app you're listening to. Also free on YouTube. Please join us. Five-star reviews are great. Subscribing's even better. And the bell notification on YouTube is the absolute best. So if you can do any of those things, we'll greatly appreciate it. Um, I haven't seen a lot of comments about like the purple. We, purple's back this week on the Lockdown Graphics on YouTube. Um, a few people mentioned it. So we'll play around. I'll flip between the black and yellow and the purple, kind of depending what the team's doing this year. Um, special thanks to Berkeley Hopkins and our crew at Lockdown who built these um, for me. Hope you're doing great. Thanks so much for tuning in. Um, Friday, Ask LOJ is great. Next week on the show... Uh, you'll hear a little bit of this today. So last night I spent the time and ran my numbers, uh, my points gain numbers for everybody in the West. I'll do the East this weekend, and then on Monday and Tuesday we'll do West and East uh, projections for the NBA season. So we can figure that out. And then we'll match them with Kevin Pelton's, which is a little bit of a better and more detailed system. And then we'll look at that probably in the line of the bet online over-unders just to kind of see where we're trending um, but it is, I, I think we're heading for a really, really wide open and different NBA than kind of we are used to. It, it really started, frankly, the last two years, if you think about it, Utah had the best record and then Phoenix had the best record. Th- this wasn't what people anticipated in either of those two seasons when the year started. Maybe, particularly when Utah and Phoenix, the, the points gain numbers, if you recall, popped uh Popped really big on Phoenix. Um, And so I do think we're going to have a different team that's the number one seed this year. Um, You know, it was the Lakers, I believe, the year prior to that. Kind of the way everybody expected with Anthony Davis, everybody at 52 um, in that shortened 1920 season. And in 1819, it was the Warriors. And in 1718, it was the Rockets. Like this, as much as we think there's not a lot of parity... Um, in the NBA, because it's such a star-driven league, we've in the Western Conference, we've had five straight years of a different number one seed, and I think we'll have a sixth team this year that's a number one seed. So I'm basically telling you, I don't think it's Phoenix. I don't think it's Utah. I don't think it's Houston. Two of those are not that stunning. I don't think it's the Lakers, though. Frankly, they came out after last year coming out miserably on my numbers. They came out much better this year um, than they have in years past. Uh, in the last last year, remember at this point is where I told you the Lakers would play in the playing game, and I everyone thought it was crazy. I actually have them in the regular six, 
um, this year. So there's some, which also means there's some surprising teams in the playing game uh, this year. So I'll have that for you on um, on Monday's show. Uh, just I got to finalize, do a few things, steal Kevin Pelton's minutes played that he published last night. Make sure I'm I'm in line. Double check a bunch of little data points. All right, let's get to it. Uh, Victor was unbelievable again yesterday. Just it's just mind blowing. Like it's you know I think it's clear he's the greatest prospect we've ever had for a draft ever. You know, let's not take it any further than that yet. Um, and to try to match, you know, our two goats in Michael Jordan and LeBron in his career is going to be incredibly difficult. Uh, for him to do in the sense of longevity and incredible accomplishment that both of them had. So the standard of being the greatest of all time would probably be a little high, a little, little, little steep to throw out there um, for him. So let's get to, let's start on locked out LOJ because that's where we're going to start, obviously, uh, with the most of a lot of the questions came in and wanted to know about Victor Weminyama. So let's start with our, our first one of the day. Um, what is the effect Victor has on the season? More teams rebuilding. Should teams trade their whole roster for a G League team to have at least 40% to get their one or two pick? Um, should the Jazz force dump trade? So I, I do think it's going to have um, a massive impact. But I think it's too late for a lot of teams. And the NBA has changed the lottery odds. And I, it's frankly, it's thank goodness so he, he, the NBA lottery odds are different than what they have been in the past. The NBA lottery odds, and I'm wondering whether I, I don't know if I have a setup right now. Let's see what happens if I do this. Um, all right. The NBA lottery odds um, are on, on the screen if you're watching YouTube. That was pretty good. Come on, give me credit. Like I'm the old guy pulling this off. And the way it works now is if you're one of the three worst teams in the NBA, you get 14% chance. So at this year, it's a 20, you know, if, if Scoot Henderson is a 10 time all-star, like everyone decided he was after the game the other night, which might be a stretch, but it seems pretty great. Then we're talking about 28% chance to go get, you know, a generate, like a really game changing talent. It's, it's 14% for the first two spots or first three spots. It's 12.5% for the fourth spot and it's 10.5% to win the lottery for the fifth spot. Then it goes to nine and 7.5 and six. So really the first four spots are similar. Obviously 1.5% chance for Victor Weminyama matters. We would take that and 3.5% better chance matters. Um, but the, the five, the five, or notice what, had the league not flattened this out, this season could be catastrophic. That, that would be really what my comment would be. If the league didn't flatten this out in some capacity before this before this happened, I really think we could be on the verge of a catastrophic season where teams would be going 5 and 77 to make sure that they got the most odds possible. It would be a race to the bottom of 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 unbelievable proportions. Now this year if you go look at the bet online odds and the win total this year, and you t- you know you go back to those odds I just showed a moment ago, there aren't that many teams that are really in the ballpark for this. So you have the Jazz, you have San Antonio, you have Houston, you have Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City, I think, according to my numbers last night, could be really horrendous. 
San Antonio may not be. So there's four teams in the West. And then there's Indiana and Detroit. Detroit's at 29 wins. The Rockets are at 23.5. Indiana's at 23.5. Last year it took 23. 23 got you into the final three. 24 got you into the final four. So you have Houston at 23.5. You have Indiana at 23.5. You have Oklahoma City at 23.5. You have the Spurs worse than that at 22.5. And you have the Jazz as the fifth at 24.5. Then you have Detroit at 29. And you have Orlando at 27. And those are really the only teams that are in this realm right now. Washington, I guess, if Bradley Beal gets hurt, could fade. I actually think Sacramento is going to be a play-in team. Um, the Knicks aren't great, but they're not that bad. It would be funny as all get out, but it's it's not going to happen. Um, there just isn't really... Every other team is kind of... Charlotte's at 36. I don't think they're about to be able to go the other direction. They probably should have. There just aren't many teams that are, are going to be able to go the wrong direction like that. Really fast. So to your question, thank goodness the league has evened out the um, the lottery odds or else we would be having a disaster this season is really what we have. Bryant comes in with what is un, my, my question win of the day. I think this is one that we could all talk about. This is great. With his skill set, what? how short can Weminyama be and still be drafted the number one pick? So I thought about this a lot. I almost threw it out to a few people. I think this is great. I'll throw this out actually to Pelton and some NBA people that like I really like and know and um, they're in the league and, and front office people. M- my quick answer on that is 6'8". I think 6'8". With that skill set, that drive. Now the length is part of the package. The the play that actually, well, the, the three from the right corner that everyone's seeing where he takes two steps and is able to have the balance to take that three is, is, is overwhelming. The, the other play that is kind of blowing my mind is the big steps to the rack that looked like Giannis yesterday, where he takes some body contact, changes right to left, and then fi- reaches out. And, and to some extent, that's only because he's 7'4". But the handle, the shooting, the touch, he, he lacks some probably explosion because he's 7'4". But I, I actually think that answer is 6'8". Um, and I do, we've talked about this, if you're, if you're a diehard and listen to the show all the time, we've talked about this. Over half the teams at the beginning of next year will have their secondary ball, one of their two primary ball handlers will be 6'8 or taller. Being a 6'1, 6'2 guard is going to become incredibly difficult in this league. And that's the only concern I have on Scoot Henderson. That the, the size of primary ball handlers is going to be mammoth. It's going to force everyone to switch everything. And then if you're a 6-1 guard, you're going to be switched onto 6-8 ball handlers and being pummeled all the time. So um, that's that's my one concern on someone like Scoot Henderson. And that's why I think 6-8 is the answer. Uh, all right, we've got more coming. Jazz-specific stuff coming from now. But that was Victor's stuff. And that's kind of where we are in the NBA right now this last few days. Uh, really incredible stuff. Kind of awesome. Uh, Today's show is uh, brought to you by our friends over at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan. And in Linden, the Murdoch Hyundai lineup of cars is just terrific. 
Hyundai's got all the bells, all the whistles for the best prices you could possibly imagine. That's what makes Hyundai jump out to me. We own two of the Santa Fe's. The Ionic is the electric car. Um, I, my daughter's out of town right now. She and uh, my wife are having a little special girls trip. Dad is home prepping for the season, which we do this every year, if you actually have paid attention. Um, we, we leave Dad home alone for the week before the season starts um, and let him work. The And then I get bags under my eyes and you guys make fun of me. It's good. Um, but anyway, uh, I've been driving the Ionic for the last few days. It is super cool. And the reactions and thing everyone from it uh, is pretty awesome as well. They are they are obviously t- a little tougher to get. Take some time, but if you're interested, you should look into it. Over at Murdoch Hyundai, if you're going to head over, please email me first because I've got the contacts for you to give you the VIP experience that we want to give you at Murdoch from both any of the three locations: Linden, Murray, and in Logan. It's Murdoch Hyundai. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Bet Online. All the odds, news, and scores you need from Bet. Online, we were just talking about over-unders. Hopefully, you took the under on that football game last night. Oh, my gosh, was that brutal. Um, championship odds have not changed any, despite Draymond Green's punching. The Warriors are at plus 575, and the Celtics are at plus 625. The Bucks at plus 700. The Nets and the Clippers at plus 750. We do have NBA draft over-unders on the number one pick. Okay, let's not get silly about this. Though, it, you know what? You can bet minus 600 on Victor, um, which frankly might be like the best bet you've ever made, even though the odds aren't great. Um, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Uh, fun little odds on who's going to make the playoffs of the Western Conference teams that I was looking at the other one. The one I would jump out out, just kind of giving you a little sneak preview, is the New Orleans Pelicans are minus 160 for yes um, and plus 130 for no. I think the Pelicans could be in the top six in the Western Conference this year without a lot of difficulty. This is all at betonline.net. Check it all out at betonline and get the uh, latest because betonline, where the game starts. So let's get back to your questions. You guys do such a great job. I appreciate your Friday uh, Ask LOJs. Ton of amazing content at Locked. On NFL, by the way, if you um, want key prediction show we've been putting out has been a huge smash, uh, as well as our game to game previews running you through it. Really great stuff all the way across the board. Um, game to game is coming to the NBA this year on our Locked On NBA channel, so make sure you subscribe um, to Locked On NBA as well because game, you will love. If you're anything like me, you will love game to game. This year, it's our local experts with a quick little snippet on each and every game, giving the local expertise, and we bounce from one game to the other um, and take you places that you, you just can't go with any other network. So really cool. All right, let's get back to your questions um, and see what we got going here. Um, launching up my little... Here we go. Number three. Pow! Here comes the question. Is there any player in the league that you would trade the upcoming number one pick, or is there any reason... To trade the number two pick for purely based on the information we have today. Um, I was going to try to move past Victor, but I thought this was a great question too. This is really interesting. If Milwaukee were to call the team that had the number one pick and offer you Giannis, or Dallas were to offer you Luka, would you take it? I want to throw that in the chat room. If Dallas, if Dallas offers you Luka, or Milwaukee offers you Giannis, would you trade the number one pick? Uh, on draft night this year. All right, 
Now to the Jazz. Who has impressed you the most so far, if any player? So, um, I actually say three things, and I'm going to take one that's not a player. Um, Will Hardy's just overall demeanor um, has been super impressive. Um, He just looks really comfortable with what he's doing. And frankly, he's a rookie also, and rookies have a hard time in this league. And there's going to be a moment. But his kind of comfort level at press conferences, I was able in the first night of the year to sit courtside and watch him coach. Um, I just thought his overall demeanor and, and approach just looked really, really comfortable. There was no, like, oh, no moments. There was nothing where you could see. Um, he just, there was a play, I think I've talked about it, but there was one play specifically where we didn't get an inbound in after a five-second call, which is pretty bad, uh, after, after an out-of-bounds play. And the player looked over at him, and he just was calm. He didn't hands on head. He didn't drop his head. He didn't drop an MF. He didn't do something um, I, I just thought, oh, like, and, and that was a kind of an unexpected moment. Like everything else can be pretty planned to stay calm. But I thought, you know, I, he just looks really comfortable uh, in what he's doing. Walker Kessler has been far better than I expected um, and far better than I expected with some athleticism and skills, quick second jump, um, running the floor, passing. It's just clear to me and talking to him as well. That one, he's, he's, he's quick, like he's bright, he gets it. You've got to be smart in this league. And then two is that he has just been trained to be a basketball player his whole life. It's not as though he grew to seven feet tall and someone said, oh, you should be a basketball player. Because his grandfather played, because his uncle played in the NBA, because his dad played at Georgia, because his whole family's played, I think he, um, he was clearly trained as a basketball player and has those skills um, to do that. And Lowry Markkinen has impressed me. I've always liked Lowry Markkinen, but not with the up-close interaction that we've just had. And one, some of the up-close interaction is simply standing next to him. He's mammoth. He's just, in, he's a legit seven feet tall, 240 pounds. He's just huge. And then his body moves so beautifully. And then you take the fact that he can get seven or eight threes off in a game, which is, you know, then you have something that's in the Duncan Robinson, Davis Bertans type thing where you just can't deny a shot. But I'm also seeing him play with his, the ball in his hands. He's actually pretty good in the post. His numbers the last few years show the post. And defensively, I haven't had an oh dear God moment at all. So those three so far have been impressive to me. Um, Colin Sexton looks way off to me. This is kind of a weird comment. Colin Sexton looks way off to me. Like out of rhythm, rushed, kind of nonsensical plays at times. And yet he's been effective scoring and making plays. And I'm attributing the first half of this to playing 11 games last year, new environment, new role, trying to figure it out, all sorts of the uncomfortable stuff. And as that calms down, I'm wondering if then we're going to look back and say, oh my gosh, while he was uncomfortable and while he was coming back from his injury and while he was, he was still able to do all these things and now look what he can do. So that would be the other one on Sexton is that while I, I feel like he just looks kind of funky, um, I, I wonder if he actually would be like, if this is actually a sign that he really actually, he has kind of another aspect of things. Does that make sense? So that's kind of a weird way to say it, um, but that's how I feel. What's your realistic expectation for this season? I'm not quite sure how this will play out. I think they're currently too talented to bottom out, possibly a playing team, but it seems sure like the organization's action has been pointed at. So there's a lot to this question, Caden, and I think it's a really good one, and I, and I feel like I'm about to touch on it in some other ways here. So I'm probably going to double up. Let, let me first say, the organization's actions have been pointing to this, and I think that's true. 
The other thing I think is is interesting about the organization's actions is the three major trades that they, the four major trades that the Jazz have made this year, which are all significant. So Royce O'Neal for a first round pick, have to do it. Like, have to do it. Like, I don't care what your situation is, have to do it. Should have done it. Like, if we had that at the trade deadline last year and you have Royce O'Neal for a first round pick, I would have done it even if we were, even while we were competing um, for, for trying to win it. Uh, Rudy Gobert for four first round draft picks. And Walker Kessler, who's a fifth first-round draft pick who's turning out to be a totally viable NBA player, have to do it. Like, have to do it. Um, plus, you get you got Jared Vanderbilt, who can play and is young. Have to do it. Like, it's like that's the trick. Donovan Mitchell for three first-round draft picks and Abaji. Um, so, really, a fourth first-round draft pick and Lowry Markkinen and Colin Sexton. I think you have to do it. Like, in a bubble, regardless of your team's direction... And then we were in bad financial situation. And so the Boyan trade, while it's hard to understand, saved the team about $7 million, which allows us to make other deals or do other things we need to do and have more flexibility and make sure that if a player gets hurt, we don't go over the luxury tax. So that one you kind of had to do like I had to do, not like I have to do it. Like, oh my gosh, you're offering me 12 chocolate chip cookies with molasses on top? Have to do it? Like this one's more of a like I'm supposed to eat my vegetables and I really have to eat my vegetables or just have my athletic greens. Um, and and the, on that. But all of those trades are trades that made a lot of sense and had to be made. What I haven't seen yet out of the organization is just the clearing house for the sake of clearing house yet. And so it makes me, like, I think when the day comes that someone makes a good offer for Mike Conley or Jordan Clarkson, and you're like, oh, i got to make that deal. Like, oh, that's like, oh, that um, filet mignon is better than the burger. I'll take that for the same, like, that makes sense. Um, It all comes back to food. Uh, So I think that from the standpoint of what the organization's done, that's kind of where I am on that. Um, My expectations for the season is I as equally as confused as you were, so that's actually the large reason why, I ran a ton of my numbers last night. We did not come out very well. Um, we came out as the 12th ranked offense in the Western Conference. Um, and not considerably behind, but behind. Um, and not far off of San Antonio, right about the same as Houston, like within probably, if I added a decimal point to this, I think we were... Like, almost the exact same offense as Houston, as we're constructed right now. Uh, Houston came out as a 110.7. We came out as 110.9. So, basically the same um, as Houston. So, we're really, we're tied for 13th. And then Oklahoma City was horrendous. Um, Just horrendous. I don't know how they'll score all year. Um, So, I, I do think expectations for this year's though we have 10 quality players we're just lacking that star talent and we're lacking that massive offensive player i ran sex those are with sexton's numbers from uh from a year ago or from two years ago too so it's not sexton last year if i do sexton last year it's it would really struggle um all right the uh this is if the jazz don't make any more moves how many games do you think the team wins if they don't make those moves do you think there's will be a lot of made-up injuries for vets or do you think the jazz will let it play out this goes to this question as well. What happens if we win too many games? It's hard for me to imagine the front office telling the team to lose. So there is no chance that you're going to have a circumstance where the front office is telling Will Hardy to lose games. And there's no chance that Will Hardy's going to be okay with just losing games. So 
What do you do about the veterans as you wind down the season? There is a point if we're on the pace for 22, 23, 24, 25 wins where someone like, and we don't aren't able to move Jordan Clarkson or Mike Conley, there is a point where it's not beneficial for them to play either. Like they're at a stage of their career where the wear and tear is significant and the there's no there's no value to them playing and putting themselves at risk at that point. And so there is a point in time where some of the veterans you could decide to shut it down or play them less or do some things because it doesn't it's not an advantageous situation for anyone and those can be mutually agreed upon. But there's not going to be a moment here where Danny Ainge calls Will Hardy and says, "Hey, I need you to lose." And there's not going to be a moment here where Will Hardy does anything with his team other than play as absolutely hard as he can and put out the roster of players that he thinks give the best chance to win of those players available that night. There's just no chance of that changing in either in any way, shape, or form. And we have the Jazz Open scrimmage coming to you tomorrow, 11 a.m. at Vivint. I'll be there. Um, By the way, keep an eye on my social media stuff. I might play around. I just got some new lav mics and a new, um, what are these things things called? Like the doggle things for our, uh, I've I've upgraded our locked on, our, our Instagram live uh, hour before every game and a bunch of other stuff. So we'll try. To, I'm going to try to really pick it up for you on the social stuff uh, this year. All right, let's get back to the questions. It's been really good today. Um, if you were to guess what three players are still on the roster five years from today, secondarily, do you, most brand new coaches receive a five year contract? Um, no, most coaches do not receive a five-year contract. Nice job by Will Hardy and his agent, and probably appropriate with the unknown status of where the Jazz were going the day Will Hardy signed. And probably really smart by the Jazz, because every indication is Will Hardy's really good. Um, and also, I bet you if we did some math analysis on the extra year payout, if he's not good, it's not that big a deal. Uh, now, what three players are still on the roster five years from today? Well, the easy answer is Abaji Kessler... Baji Kessler marketing? Five years marketing? Five years is so long. That's the easy answer. Would be, and that would probably be my guess. Um, that, uh, if I had, yeah, I'm going to go with that. Kessler and Abaji because they're under contract. And then, I'm, if I'm trying to think right now if I'm forgetting any other young player that's playing particularly well or looks like he's playing great. That would be Jared Vanderbilt. I think Jared Vanderbilt at somebody, somebody's going to think he's their missing piece and we'll get a huge offer for him. And it will be hard for him to be on the roster in five years. Um, would be my quick take on that one. Um, that, that's my quick thought there. Uh, at bad timing to be real build right after we get all-star game. Do you think they will make Conley or Clarkson an all-star so that Utah has at least one when we're hosting? No, I do not. Um, and I don't know that you can run your franchise based on when you have the all-star game or when you don't have the all-star game. I think that's the, that's the, that's kind of the biggest thing. And I think Danny was really clear about that. And I admire the fact that the franchise didn't put us on hold for a year and a half. How has Abaji looked and why is he not getting many minutes? So Abaji's looked good. Uh, I thought, uh, Will was really interesting when I asked about him yesterday at the press conference. Um, I should have queued that up and had that ready. I apologize. I don't think I could just find it off of, I don't think I'm that good. It's at about the like five minute mark of his press conference yesterday. Um, 
this is one where we all know each other well enough that I'm almost like willing to try to see if I could like just get lucky. Um, but I think somebody asked him about how Abaji was doing, and it, Will's answer was really good. It was talked. He talked about. Um, he talked about how um, mature. Oh, maybe it was yesterday's presser actually. Um, let's see. Um, he talked about how mature he is as a as a. Um, well, I pushed uh, Will Hardy. And I got Lowry Markkinen, so I'll have to see if I can pull it for you later this week. Um, we'll have it on the broadcast. He talked about how mature he is. He talked about um, how, how well he's doing. Um, but I do think he probably, why is he not getting minutes? I mean, my easy answer on that one is he probably has been outplayed by Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Taylor Horton-Tucker so far in camp. Um, and I think if Abaji's trying to get minutes at that three, that's probably where he's getting those minutes unless he becomes a, t- a standstill two. He has not shown... A- in his collegiate experience, he plays a great deal with the ball in his hands. And we're putting the ball in the hands of the three a little bit. So, um, you know, maybe he'll get more comfortable with that. Um, and, you know, one other thing on Abaji is that Abaji has, um, he was a slow starter at both high school because he grew later and at college. So it might take him a little bit to get his bearings and figure things out. Um, how do you solve the Rudy Gay problem? Is there actually a Rudy Gay problem? Well, I think the next question is what the Rudy Gay problem could be. If Rudy Gay cannot be a rotation-level player, how do you think the Jazz should proceed? Wave and stretch, wait out till his contract could be part of a bigger trade or other. So, Clint, I think you know the NBA pretty well. Um, and as a Ute fan would say, which I'm not, um, despite your um, moniker or whatever it's called, it seems pretty bright. Um, just kidding. I just was trying to get a little laugh late in the show. So this would be the Rudy Gay problem if we have a Rudy Gay problem. So Will Hardy and Rudy Gay have a really good relationship back to San Antonio. So any kind of caustic or things of that nature, are, we don't have as a, as a Rudy Gay problem uh, because Will and Rudy Gay have that connection and get along well. If we have a Rudy Gay problem, it's exactly what happens there. It's that we want to keep Stanley Johnson on the roster and Rudy Gay just body can't get going. And so you're, ro- you're being held by a roster spot by Rudy Gay that's better off giving to somebody else who can be more useful to the franchise. So that would be the Rudy Gay problem. So your choices are, yes, you can wave and stretch him. You can try to see if somebody wants him for a second-round draft pick, but you still have to bring back the money, so that gets really complicated. And the hardest part of it is exactly what you said last, which is because Rudy Gay makes a decent little sum of money, and as you're going, as the front office is making decisions on, the, your, on what we're doing in regards to um, salaries or cuts, one of the things you have to keep an eye on is salaries. And what I mean by that is you, we're going to probably make, I would guess we make two or three trades during the season of some capacity. And we are still at a position where your contracts have to match. So as you look down the jazz year by year contracts, you know, you can choose whatever player is our primary player you're moving in this deal. But somebody like Rudy Gay, who's making $6.2 million, that's a nice piece to move. The problem is that Rudy Gay has a player option for $6.5 million next year, which I think makes him virtually untradeable. And so in that circumstance, you might just decide there's no way um, we're going to be able to move that six point five unless we move it with $3 million or something of that same sort. Um, the one on, like, Balmero's really interesting, too, because Balmero, 
um, has two more years of club control after this year on his contract. And so does he make the does he make the team or not? The other one that actually is interesting that doesn't seem like it's playing out is that Jared Butler is a restricted free agent at the end of the year and Saban Lee is under club protection at the end of the year. Um, you know, the way the minutes have played out so far, I, I don't think that that's really a battle for a roster spot, but if it was, that's that that would play into it. Stanley Johnson's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. So, you know, you you kind of figure out, like, is he really that important to you just in this season um, along, along, you know, that it's worth cutting Rudy Gay. So contracts do really, really matter as we get into this final stage of who makes the team and who doesn't. I hope to see you Saturday at Vivint Arena for a little 11 a.m. scrimmage. Then I hope to see you Tuesday for our preseason game against the San Antonio Spurs. And a week from last, like a week from this Wednesday, we open up the regular season. So exciting times. Uh, this has all been part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's Lockdown Jazz. It's your team every day.